Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Mac ND podcast. As always, Jimmy D, how you doing, brother? I'm doing quite well, my friend. I've got uh, the last day of my week is coming up as I'm taking Friday off. I've got one of my best friends is getting married this weekend. So all the hometown homies are getting together to uh, to not only be in his wedding, but just celebrate the day. So really excited for that. Got my tux today. Looks Tux looks good, which is fantastic because it was like a $300 rental men's warehouse out here bleeding people dry. Uh, but I'm pretty lucky because unlike my buddy Clayton, who's in, I swear, at least four weddings this year, maybe even five, I'm only in one. So uh, he's he's had quite a few bachelor parties, tux rentals, everything. I'm not sure how he's affording to live right now. Jesus. Yeah, those can get really pricey really quickly. But my question for you is, where do you stand on wedding cake? Oh, I'm I'm a huge wedding cake fan. I, I, I honestly, I can't think of a wedding I've been to where I was like that dessert was not top, if you will. Like I'm always for the dessert at weddings. The last one I went to, they did uh, nothing bunt cake. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the place, but it's just a bunch of little mini servings of bunt cake, which is awesome. Uh, I mean, just a traditional white wedding cake. I'm, I'm a huge fan of. I, I feel like it's more common nowadays um, to get maybe like a like a fruit filling of some kind. It's like a strawberry or raspberry jam kind of layering the cakes, which is really good. Uh, obviously ice cream's a huge hit. I went to a wedding that had ice cream sandwiches. I was, I was a big fan of that. Um, yeah. One, obviously you and I are at the age where we're going to a lot of weddings. So a lot of this is fresh on my mind, but I, I really haven't been to a wedding recently where I was just like, what are they doing uh, regarding the dessert? I, I would honestly, I'd say the lowest tier is cupcakes. I, I'm not a huge cupcake person. Uh, and I feel like they're, they're just too easy to, to like anyone. I feel like anyone can make them. So they're like, they're easier to get a hold of and, and not everyone's good at making them. So maybe that's the one where it's like, if I see cupcakes, I'm like, eh. but other than that, if, if, I've had pretty good wedding dessert experiences. Yeah, I kind of have to agree. Like, I love a classic wedding cake. We were talking about desserts and cookies last episode. So that kind of had me on the mind. But a classic wedding cake, like you really can't beat it because just the quality of the cake and the frosting is just so much higher than any other cake that you're going to have. And like, I really don't mind like other people going to other variations. I've been to a couple of weddings lately that have had that sort of thing. But you really just can't beat it. Like, I, I know it's expensive and it's ridiculous. And, you know, it's it's like the the thing that's in vogue, you know, doing the Great British Bake Off and everything like that. But I just love it. It's just classic and you really can't beat it. So. I had a buddy that did. It wasn't the dessert. It was just kind of it was there as a, a snack throughout the night. But they had a trail mix bar. So you best believe I maxed out on some trail mix. Gotta get your macros in. Love it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'm very happy this week too. I just got a new laptop, which isn't debuting on this episode if you're watching one of our TikToks or such, but it will debut for the next episode. I gotta get a few dongles in order to get everything to plug in correctly. So the video quality is gonna be great. I'm advancing by like eight or nine years worth of technology. So uh, my last laptop I got in high school. So this is gonna be a whole new thing for me, and I'm pretty stoked for it. So we're gonna be very official at that point. And so might as well have a media franchise with it we almost have to uh, get our llc so you can write it off as an expense dude that's what i'm thinking like it's a business expense just write it off you know that's that i'm that's an right. accountant it's, just, that's it's a off yeah. this apartment it's a write-off like it, you know i use it for my business exactly the next thing you know like toilet paper you know it's part of the office bathroom it's just mm-hmm. part of it that that was one of the weird things that i realized today uh our office we have like 40 or 50 people in it and we only have one bathroom. It has like very limited stalls in it. 
And today I was like trying to go use the restroom and it was being cleaned at the moment, which like isn't that big of a deal, but like I was dying right there. And so I had to drive all the way home, which is like 45 minutes with traffic. And then finally was able to use a restroom. I was like, Jesus, like maybe we should get a few more restrooms in this goddamn country. It's crazy. Yeah, um, no, I've never had that experience. I've, I've had to do the, uh, the walk of shame where you're like just floor hopping, trying to find an open bathroom. But I mean, leaving work entirely and all that's, that's a new level. The DK Metcalf, if you will. <laughs> the DK, if you will, yeah. So we had a little bit of news this week. Uh, it's Sunday to Wednesday, so there's just not as much inherently. Uh, but the main thing that happened injury-wise is Cordell Patterson officially on the IR, and he's going to be missing a few weeks. So that's pretty tough sledding for him. Any big thoughts with that one? I, I, so the initial thought, right, if this were a normally functioning team, is it's Tyler Algier season. But I think the Falcons have proven that they're more about subverting expectations than, you know, actual quality product of football. So we will see what happens there. Um, this I don't want to do a victory lap if I told you about old man Patterson, but this is just kind of what happens when you're a 33 year old running back. Like you got to get, you know, kind of impromptu procedures to, to keep yourself ticking. Yeah, it's interesting because we've waffled so much on him this season. Like he'll look really great and then he had like five yards and then he looked really great again and then he got injured. So it's the classic Patterson experience. I'm just curious to see what Arthur Smith does this weekend. Like I really want to know which random running back he's going to sign off the street and then just give them a carry to give them a quick touchdown or something like that. I mean, the logical expectation would be Drake London is going to get spoon fed targets, right? Because if if Pitts' hammy is still bothering him and he sits another game, you know, they, they only really have rookies in the backfield. The You know, all, like, again, all logic would point to, okay, well, London's going to get 20 targets and they'll figure out the rest from there, which what means the the actual mentality for the, the Falcons is probably London's exclusively going to run go routes to try to blow the cap off the defense while they feed God knows who behind the line of scrimmage for, uh, you know, two yards per carry. So we'll, we'll see how that develops. That could be a fun uh Sunday or Monday podcast that you and I are just talking about like what exactly happened with the Falcons this weekend. Yeah, I can't wait until, until he becomes like an offensive coordinator, coordinator, excuse me, on the Alabama Crimson Tide. That's going to be just such an experience watching him get yelled at by Nick Saban. Um, but yeah, I, this whole Atlanta offense just like confounds me at all times. And I was reading a thing yesterday, actually, that uh, there's some been some beat writers that are expecting Calvin Ridley not to come back next year to the Falcons. He's either going to get traded before the next season starts or he's going to end up getting cut, which seems a little extreme given like he's served an entire year suspension. But uh, he would fit super well in this offense. But honestly, he might end up being better off somewhere else if Arthur Smith's still here. Calvin Ridley would fit well in any offense. I mean, he was truly a, a matchup nightmare. I'm sure people forget just because of the, how the news cycles work out, but I mean, even as a rookie, he was putting up numbers. Year two, he was crushing it. Like he, he's what he made, he made like three seasons right before the suspension. Yeah. But he, I mean, he was just that classic, uh, you know, like DJ Moore before DJ Moore, where you could just really trust him to get a thousand yards. But he actually scored touchdowns and had big plays uh, and competent quarterback play. So like he was the 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 sub above, if you will, over Thanks. over DJ Moore, and like it was just a. You always felt good about getting him at somewhere between the 20 to 35 range uh, in your drafts. And I mean, you just knew you could play him week in and week out. So I, I, I'm sure I'll be able to get him pretty cheap next year if he finally comes back. Yeah. For a dynasty sort of situation, that'd be really great. What Which offense would you love to see Calvin Ridley in? Like, where do you think he fits in super well? New England Patriots, because we haven't had a number one since <laughs> Randy Moss has been around. 
Dude, Jacoby but, Myers on a per game basis, wide receiver eight so far this year. So yeah, but the thing is, if Jacoby has, if they ever have like a true number one to get the pressure off Jacoby, like he would just feast. Right? I mean, yeah. he's just a fantastic possession, you know, move the chains type receiver. Um, and and you know that's kind of where he really thrives. And and I'm hoping we could get a number one. Maybe Tyquan Thornton will be that number one. We'll see. But Maybe. I mean, if you can get a Calvin Ridley, I think you go grab a Calvin Ridley. They have so many guys that are just like B level players and that can work really well for you. Sometimes if one of them's able to like elevate themselves and Myers might be able to, if he can stay healthy throughout the season, but God, like there's so many guys that are just similar, right? Like Thornton and Bourne, Kendrick Bourne, they're the exact same player. Like, let's be honest. Like what's the best or what's the, like the kind of like mid level expectation of Taekwon Thornton as he becomes a Kendrick Bourne. Uh, what's the expectation for like Nelson Aguilar, just a, a B level receiver. So I, I really hope you guys get that like next level number one wide receiver. I mean, I just think it's more fun whenever the Patriots have like a Randy. The, Moss the type, nice so. thing with the, with the Patriots is people just kind of sleep on their offense, which I know they're definitely not your traditional, like rah, rah. This is what I want in my 10 man fantasy league offense. But in my 32 team fantasy league, I am crushing because I was willing to grab Patriots players when other people were, you know, grabbing very speculative running backs. So I had Aguilar, I had Jacoby Myers, I have Tyquan Thornton, I have Ty Montgomery. Like I have all these guys that people just will not allow on their roster, and it's it's worked out for me. So even though I've I've lost Trey Lance and Jamonte Williams to injury, I still only have one loss in the season, and I, I was able to flip Aguilar after his big week for another quarterback. Wow. Um, so we're, we're we're chugging along. We're we're hoping for the best. I think at some point I'll run into someone that has real firepower, and you know their first two rounds of picks still there. But for now, I'm still looking okay. How did you manage to switch up Al- Aguilar for someone pretty good like that? He okay. So he he mossed um, the Steelers, you know, on on a game. And it was like that kept play kept showing up. So week one, he was like a five or ten point player. Week two was like twenty points. Uh, so then this guy had, it was actually Mariota, but he had Mariota on his bench cause he had a better quarterback. And I was like, Hey, like, do you want a starter? Like, look what Aguilar is doing. Uh, and you know, he was like, well, I'm not going to play Mariota over, you know, I'll say Justin Herbert, but I don't think it was Herbert. So he, he took the switch and I was like, I will take this a million times over. Yeah. That's like literally flipping nothing. Like, let's be honest. Aguilar is just not a high level player and getting something out of it. Mariota is like someone you can put in on a buy situation. So good for you. Also, I just didn't have a quarterback. So like I needed it. Yeah, truly, truly. Uh, Some other interesting things that have been going down. uh, This is more so on athletes getting in trouble, which has been very interesting. Uh, Devontae Adams, after their loss to the Chiefs on Monday night, very close game that was very highly spirited. A lot of really controversial calls were going down. Devontae Adams had a great game, including two touchdowns. And as he was walking off the field, he came across a cameraman and pushed him down into the ground. And since then, there's been a lot of backlash. Devontae Adams pretty profusely apologized, but that cameraman ended up pressing charges. Uh, There's a misdemeanor uh, assault charge against Devontae Adams right now. So what do you make of all this? And do you really think Devontae Adams like did something that bad? So in the words of the great Troy Aikman, we need to get the dresses off and let these guys play. You know, uh, that that cameraman, like, yeah, Devontae should not have pushed him. I mean, that I think that's pretty apparent. But this guy sprints, I mean, just like makes a beeline to get right in front of him as he's clearly storming off the field, pissed off. Like, you know, last play of the game, it came down to where he rounds into a teammate. Like, I mean, just truly high emotions, you know, not happy. And it's like, 
we get it that cameramen are supposed to kind of get those emotional moments, but you don't have to sprint within a foot of Devontae Adams and shove a camera in his face. Like the zoom function works on those for a reason. You know, maybe we stay 10 feet back. Um, and, and then just, I mean, the softest move ever to be like, oh, I'm pressing charges now. Like I get it. He's going for a payday, but I mean, to think it's anything less than that. Like if he ever comes across as like, I just want justice for, for the little guy. Like, I mean, it, it's, like, it's just a soft move on the cameraman's part. Devontae's a good person. Uh, you know, he's not someone with just a, a plethora of off the field issues. It, it, it's just, it's an unfortunate situation. He shouldn't have done it, but it is what it is. Like really just need to move on. I think as the organization, the Raiders, you're happy because it's like, wow, Devontae's officially a Raider. Now he's got that, you know, that charge against him. So they've got to be pretty excited. Yeah, it's a classic Raiders. They won't beat you on the field, but they'll beat you in the parking lot sort of situation. Uh, I kind of had the same reaction. Like the the soft, the push was pretty soft. The guy got right back up and like Devontae didn't like fully help him get up, but it, he definitely had that like look of, oh shit, I can't believe I just did that. Like it was a spur of the moment. Felt like he was blocking a cornerback kind of thing. And next thing you know, the guy's on the ground. So I, I felt a little bit bad for him. I did appreciate that he apologized like multiple times after that. It wasn't just like a quick like thing in the media. Like, oh, you know, he shouldn't have been in the way. Like he he apologized correctly, which can be really, really hard for a lot of people. Uh, the thing that was funny to me was how he went on Twitter and he's like, yeah, I hope this guy sees it. I'm like, Dude, you could like reach out to him directly. Right. You didn't have to say on Twitter, like, I hope you see it. Uh, but yeah, the 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 charges were a little bit crazy to me. Like it definitely felt very opportunistic, very 2022 where everyone's just trying to always get a bag. And then the other weird thing is the, the document that showed the charges got released and it has like Devonte Adams home address on it. That thing was like circulating on Adam Schefter's Twitter for, for years going to all corners of the internet. So I felt a little bad for Devonte Adams. For yeah. Well, you got to think too, like, well, one, the fact that his address is out there, that whoever let that happen, like shame on them. But then two, I mean, you got to think, even if he's pushing that guy at what he feels is 25%, that's 25% of an elite NFL athlete, which is roughly 350% of any normal human being pushing him. So like, I mean, yeah, it was probably a bit of a jarring push. The guy had camera equipment, et cetera, falls over pretty easily. But uh, I feel like this really should be, you know, a quick fine, an apology, non-issue, you know, how we do and keep it moving. But I feel like it's going to be in the media a little bit too much, unfortunately. Yeah. And like, it's just, it's an unfortunate accident, but we see camera people get run into all the time. And I think a lot of it falls on these leagues, right? The NFL, the NBA, et cetera. Just like putting camera people like way too fucking close. Like you said, the, the zoom function works great and you don't necessarily need to be a top tier level photographer in order to make those kind of things work. Like Randy Johnson, I don't know if you saw, you know, the former yeah, MLB pitcher. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They he came out today that like he's a photographer for sports leagues, specifically with the NFL. And it's like, that anybody can do it. Like, I know he has a photography degree, but like we were able to put people a little further away, not put them in harm's way of being right in the way of a, of a freight train. Let's be honest. Devontae Adams is a huge man. So it just seems like a mistake on the, on the part of NFL and NBA to allow camera people. But, to and and you have to think about it too. Bad. It's <laughs> like, I mean, I know we're going to hear the echoes of don't victim blame, but you know, when, when you have a wildlife photographer, they don't get five foot from a grizzly bear, right? They use the the technology we have these days to take pictures from half a mile away that are crystal clear and, and you know, have perfect angles and everything. Like, it's not that hard to stay 10 feet away from someone that's clearly fuming after a tough loss. Yeah, and it's like, it's a violent sport and accidents happen. So it's it's just 
dumb in my mind. Some other interesting stories that have been going down. Speaking uh, of dumb. Uh, speaking of dumb and speaking of violent, we have Draymond Green this week throwing a sucker punch at Jordan Poole, as some people were calling it. Uh, apparently, during practice, there was some chirping back and forth. Uh, there's a, a lot of like internal strife that could be going down because the Warriors can't afford to pay everybody on their championship level team. And so they're kind of deciding, do we pay Draymond? Do we pay Jordan Poole? Do we pay Andrew Wiggins? We don't really know at this point. So there's a lot of different theories onto why the fight happened. Apparently they've made up and everything is A-OK. Jordan Poole's played since and everything. But the, the punch kind of came out of nowhere in my mind. Kind of there's a little pushing back and forth. And the next thing you know, Draymond's just pulling out the fist. So uh, this was a pretty rough looking situation. But um, do you think this like affects their playoff chances or their championship chances do you think there's a like enough internal strife to cause a problem yeah i'm, I'm not sure you know with, with that so i i think first and foremost it definitely was a sucker punch i think secondly i'd be curious on your opinion but you know of all of the three people you mentioned i feel like draymond's the easiest to get rid of versus like i'd be keeping wiggins and pool after this last playoff run that they had like you have to keep that young core to an extent um and, and then just like you know you can't say it doesn't affect them like pool i i would be surprised if pool talked to draymond the rest of the season because it's like why, why would i get closest to he's gonna just punch me in the face for you know no reason like I, you know i'm sure they've ribbed back and forth before but like any athlete they just think it's normal shit talking they don't think oh my teammate's gonna punch me in the face so really bad look for draymond rumor has it pool likes to call him triple single uh <laughs> due to the fact he can't get stats so that's pretty hilarious if that was the case but I'm sure whatever was said will be banned going forward. Uh, and also, you know, some like low level intern or staffer got paid like 250K to leak that the second it happened to TMZ. Yeah, 100%. Uh, multiple things here. Yeah, Draymond's definitely jealous of the pool party nickname. Like, they never came up with a good one for the three of them, Clay, Steph, and Draymond. So now he's jealous that it's like the pool party with the Splash Bros. It's 100% a jealousy thing. Uh, personally, I would rather trade wiggins away his value is like at its absolute peak right now the guy only like people are acting like oh he's an all-star all nba almost level player i mean he averaged 17 points a game like we need to calm down a little bit collectively like yes he's a top 100 player but the espn rankings for the top 100 came out and they had andrew wiggins in like the top 50 and i'm like he's nowhere near that they that that's a complete overreaction to what was one pretty good season, which we see a lot from guys. He's he's not even reaching his full potential as a f- number one overall pick formerly. Um, so I would rather trade Wiggins just because he's at his peak of his value, whereas Draymond like did have a good season, but he's a little bit older. However, there's already rumors that Draymond might end up getting traded to the Lakers or another contender just to make room for that cap space. So that could be really interesting. I also think Wiggins is a little bit more replaceable given that the pieces that they have like the the bigs are a little bit lacking for the Warriors. They have Looney, they have Wiseman, but like Draymond's really able to like make that offense sing at all times. Whereas Wiggins is a little bit redundant. They have Moses Moody, they have Jonathan Kaminga, Patrick Baldwin Jr., the rookie that they drafted in the late first round this year, has looked amazing in preseason. So there's some options there if you get rid of Wiggins. And then um 
yeah the the intern thing with tmz i don't know who released it i thought it was really corny that people were getting so pissed off about the leak i'm like these kind of stories get out all the time like we know michael jordan punched steve kerr in the 90s we we know that jr smith threw soup at his coach like these are things that we all know and like we don't need video to prove it we just got the video of this one and it ended up being a little bit more brutal than expected but i was just like maybe you need to fix your things internally and be a little less mad about the video coordinator uh releasing the video i thought that was a bit corny i mean that's like a chris weber punch right like i mean like he ran across and decked the guy yeah he did but oh well i might have the name wrong. I don't, chris weber sounds wrong who was in, in the mouse in the palace who was it for the pacers oh uh, oh and the mouse in the palace yeah so yeah. the the first punch was ron artest right and then, who's who's it? it like was it jermaine o'neal is jermaine that who it was Okay, sorry, sorry, Chris Weber. Did not mean to to put your name out there. Yeah, Jermaine O'Neal freaking sprints from half court and like that slide punch on the guy. That was that was awesome. Yeah, and like they literally say that if Jermaine O'Neal hadn't slipped right before that punch, he he probably would have killed that guy. Yeah, like there would have been broken bones going into the back of his brain. It would have been game over for that dude. Oh yeah, dude would have been in a body bag before he left the stadium. Uh, The last person getting in trouble this past couple weeks. Uh, we haven't hit on this yet, but Antonio Brown has been back in the news for a multitude of reasons. Uh, there's been jokes about him sleeping with uh, Tom Brady's wife, soon to be ex-wife. And then there's also the video that came out of him on vacation where he was in the pool, naked, just sprawled out. And he was in an area where it's kind of taboo to be naked. It's not like you're like nudist beach kind of situation. And then TMZ put a terrible blur on his uh, manly parts, if you will. It covered up nothing. Like you were you were fully exposed and able to see everything. So AB just never going away. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. What could have been a Hall of Fame career just got ruined by just a myriad of horrifying life decisions. I really hope he's donated his body to science because it, it'll be interesting to see just how riddled with CTE his brain is when it's all said and done. Because this this guy just hasn't been the same since that burst that perfect hit. And and like I, I saw something I, I haven't done the 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 thoroughly vetted research on it, but I, I've heard rumor it's like if you see interviews of him like his first few years in the league, like his cadence and just the way he talks is different than now. Like like he's been jumbled so much that like it's just not even the same human being inside of there. Um, Honestly, you just hope the guy gets help and like he's he's kind of a clown right now. Like hopefully he stops making waves and getting attention. Yeah, I definitely think the NFL's hurt him a little bit, but I think it's not fully up to the hits that he's been getting in the NFL because he was also having issues in college, right? Like whenever he's at Central Michigan, he went to school with uh, Eric Fisher and he was always getting in trouble as well, being late for practices, causing issues. Like there's a reason that he fell to the sixth round despite being such a good talent. Like he had issues that he had in the past but i think like a combination of the hits the money the fame the winning all that like it all kind of comes to your head to a degree right and it can cause a lot of problems we see it with celebrities all the time and rich people all the time in general so i i I think it's a slightly lazy take that it's just fully on the cte potentially um but i think it's a multitude of issues just all coming together personally um, okay, so it's let's move on to our best college football matchups of the week. We got Jimmy D's Normie takes, and we have my sicko mode takes as always. So uh, it's a really great week for the Normie picks. Uh, truly, truly a spectacular one. So yeah, hit this, us with some of your best ones. So this might have been the easiest week for the Normie picks here. Uh, and, you know, when you look at it all, it's like 
there's plenty of, I mean, there's a lot of really good games in general. Like this is, this is the week to camp out at a bar and just watch college football all day. Uh, but I mean, I, I think from the outside looking in, like the, the games that I think, you know, the casual fan would be most interested in watching has got to be Michigan versus Penn State. That game's going to be huge. And then, of course, Bama versus Tennessee, you know, a three versus six matchup. Can Tennessee slay Goliath, if you will? Like, I mean, that's really the, the, the great notion there. Um, I would assume, I could be wrong, but I'm going to assume game day has got to be in Tennessee this week, right? Like, I mean, that's got to be the biggest game of the week. Yeah, it's a Knoxville. Um, okay. So, so those are the two major games. Kind of your, you know, if you're a West Coast sports fan, not a, you know, not, sorry, West Coast just doesn't always get the publicity that some of the more, you know, SEC or, or major kind of East Coast teams get. Uh, but USC Utah, I think, has got to be huge for people living. Uh, west of the Rocky Mountains. They're, they're going to be excited about that. Uh, so that'll be a big game. And then just as kind of a an afterthought, in my opinion, but still you got to give two good teams the respect they deserve. But Kentucky versus Mississippi State is also you know a pretty good game. It can be kind of like your appetizer for some of the bigger games this week, if you will. Or you know if it's on the second TV, hopefully it times up correctly with commercial breaks and halftime that at least some good games are on uh, while you're sitting at halftime of, of the bigger games. Yeah, I'm going to be sitting my ass down on the couch and I'm going to be listening to all of these games. I think the the most intriguing ones here are Bama, Tennessee, because does Tennessee finally get the monkey off their back? But also Bama has an injured quarterback. Bryce Young got hurt a couple weeks ago. He didn't play last week and he may not play this week is the anticipation. So does Tennessee get an easy win against Bama? Maybe. And that might be the thing that pushes them into the college football playoff conversation. And then the other interesting one is Kentucky, Mississippi State to me. Uh, Will Rogers, the quarterback from Mississippi State, has looked amazing this season. I don't know if you saw the statistic today, Jimmy D, but he broke the SEC record for completions all time. It took him 28 games to do it. The person he just beat was Aaron Murray. You know, he used to be in the NFL for a hot sec, and he took him 52 games, 28 versus 52. The dude gets completions. Is that a a testament of how good uh, Rodgers is, or is that a testament to just how the game has changed as well? Because, I mean, even in college, I mean, it's like, the running game is almost an afterthought for some of these teams. Like they are throwing the ball 60 times a game, if not more. I think it's, I think it's two things. I think it's definitely one, the, what you're mentioning just now, the tempo, everything's changing. It's more spread. It's wide open. It's pro style. I think that's definitely feeding into it. I think the other big thing is Will Rogers just got the key to the car really, really early on in his college football career. Whereas like Aaron Murray, they eased him in a little bit more. They had a couple rough seasons where they were more willing just to give it to no Sean Moreno, et cetera. And, they, therefore he had fewer passes in some of those earlier games and then later on in his career he was able to let it rip so will rogers has just had the green light since day one and he's just been cooking so uh, he's a fun quarterback to watch in my opinion okay so we'll move into my sicko mode picks of the week i got some fun ones for y'all uh james madison versus georgia southern is the first one james madison for those who don't know uh first year in the fbs so the first time they're up with the big boys and they're already ranked they're 25th in the nation and what's also really fun is they're always just like this david versus goliath thing going on they've upset really big teams in the past like ranked virginia tech and here they are making an appearance in the top 25 and the the worst part with it is 
it's all for naught because they're not postseason eligible. So even if they keep winning, keep going on and just crushing teams in their first year in the FBS, it's not going to mean too much. Yeah, SEC needs to count their blessings that they don't have to face this James Madison team when the playoffs come. Exactly. Like James Madison easily could have been one of those cupcake games that the SEC schedules in late November. And that would have been terrible. Like they're like very good team. And they could have easily been that game that's supposed to be a warm up for their rivalry week. So that kind of cracks me up. And then the other part of this matchup, Georgia Southern, uh, this is a team that beat Nebraska a few weeks ago, my my precious Cornhuskers. And I heard the craziest stat from one of my buddies this week. The last three opponents that Nebraska has lost to georgia southern oklahoma and northwestern since they beat nebraska they are combined one and 11 on the season crazy that's so, that's bad that's yeah. not good so georgia southern's gonna try and get the monkey off their backs they've played some good opponents like coastal carolina so uh i just think it's funny that Nebraska's just putting a curse on all these teams so we'll see if georgia southern keeps losing uh next up lsu florida this one is for one reason and one reason only it's the shoe game. Uh, that was the highlight of my COVID experience. If I'm being honest, um, it was, it was later on during COVID. I was away from home and I was at a bar and we're watching LSU, Florida. Kyle Trask is like lighting it up. And the next thing you know, you just see that shoe flying. So that ended up costing Florida the game. So uh, this is just a little bit of a rivalry going back and forth. This game was really great last year with very high flying offenses. So hoping for a repeat this year. And then lastly, UNC Duke. Uh, it's a battle of the nerds. It's the battle of these two schools that care way more about basketball. I I really like watching May play the quarterback for UNC. But the main reason that I really like this game is North Carolina is wearing some alternate helmets this week. Uh, they're the Tar Heels, right? Which like I guess is like a Ram or something like that. But their helmets this week has a giant foot on it right on the side. And I'm like, just a big week for people with foot fetishes. Like if you love football and you love feet, you're just going to be glued to your TV for a good three and a half hours just doing whatever you feel like doing. So Rex uh, Ryan's already sweating. <laughs> exactly. Quentin Tarantino is counting his blessings. So I just think this is a funny one and I, I hope everybody enjoys them. It's a good college football weekend. <laughs> did you look up the helmets? I did. Yeah. Cause they, um, they've put that logo either on their college, like their football Jersey or on their basketball Jersey at some point, but it's not a new logo. It's got, you know, like the black tar heel, um, so, you know, I've seen it before. I've never seen the entire helmet be a foot. That's, a, you know, an interesting take on feet fetishes, but, you know, more power to them. Maybe that'll be what it takes to to keep uh, Duke distracted and, you know, win the, the battle for Tobacco Road, if you will. Yeah, you never know. You never know. All right. So we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to transition right into some fancy football stuff for the rest of the pod. So we will be right back. Today's pod is brought to you by Cord Management. There's a lot of different types of management, roster management, time management, micromanagement, all difficult in their own right, but none as unnecessary as cord management. We as a society have so many electronics that we had to create a whole new type of management to explain the concept of keeping our electronics charged. Could you imagine our ancestors rushing home before their Apple Watch died or choosing a side of the bed because that's where their phone charger was? Never before have we felt so tethered simply because everything in their life is a juggling act between full and empty. Wireless, surfaceless, always on charging, can't come soon enough. All I'm saying is this isn't the future Steve Jobs died for. Let's get to the second half of the pod. 
Alrighty, and now we are back. So we are going to be looking at the best fantasy matchups, which I really missed. We didn't do our preview pod last week. So we're going to be looking at the best team games that can potentially offer a lot of points for you all in order to have a very, very good matchup. So hit me with your two matchups that you have, Jimmy D. Yeah, and I feel like it's cheating because I've been just hammering the Seahawks all year. But by the same token, like their games have been awesome for fantasy production. So the Seahawks versus Cardinals this week, you know, if, if you've been someone who's had Marquise Brown, Kyler Murray, uh, James Conner, probably hasn't been the best year for you. I, I mean, they've they've put up enough points in garbage time that they haven't completely tanked your season, but they haven't been crushing it for you. Well, this is the time where they're going to get to turn it around, right? Like the Seahawks give up points. That's what they do. So uh, if you have Kyler, like you should be very excited this week. Uh, and by the same side, so the, the Cardinals did put up a very good effort against uh, the Eagles last week, which was surprising. But for the most part, they haven't really been able to stop people. Like they gave up 24 or more points to the Rams, who are actually scoring less than the, the Panthers this year, which is a stat that came out this week. And, uh, you know, the Seahawks, that that offense has been humming. If, if you're a Ken Walker owner, this is finally the payoff for stashing him for five weeks. Uh, so you get to play him. DK and Tyler Lockett are both in play this week. The, the Geno truthers out there, myself included, are, you know, firing him up in the uh, the QB2 slot and just ready to roll. Should be a high-scoring game. Both teams really don't like defending the pass, so I'm hoping to see quite a bit of that going on. And, and I think the Cardinals, too, you know, you should be excited if you're – I think it's Will Disley, right, is the, the Seahawks tight end. Like, the Cardinals just historically – it's like Cardinals and Raiders just refuse to guard tight ends. So, uh, you know, maybe – kind of a sneaky DFS play could be firing up some Will Disley shares. Yeah, I think every time these two teams play, it's always a really exciting one. Like this reminds me of that time that Buda Baker got an interception and then DK Metcalf ran him down from behind. So I'm really excited for this matchup. I really need DK to just pop off. Tyler Lockett's going to be obviously really great again this week. And I think it's going to be really exciting to see how Kenneth Walker looks. Like, are we going to see a lot of Kenneth Walker? Are we going to see a lot of DJ Dallas? I think that could be a very dynamic backfield, even with the Rashad Penny injury. So I like this one a lot. The interesting part for me will be how many carries does Ken Walker get, right? He, last week, he only got eight. So, you know, if that's if you're only getting to get 10 carries out of him, he could be very easily like the quickest letdown as far as like people just so hyped on him. You know, everyone's blowing their fab budget if he was on waivers or, you know, you've been stashing him for five weeks. Like this is your moment. If he only gets, you know, 10 carries, you're going to be pretty disappointed. Hopefully he gets like 15 to 20 and you feel really good about it. Uh, so that'd be the main piece. Then you know, for my second matchup here, I don't know how you can't talk about it. It's clearly the game of the week, the AFC divisional rematch, Bills versus Chiefs and Arrowhead. This is going to be... I mean, just, you know, honestly, we're, we're going to hype it up as like a 50 to 43 or, you know, 50 to 45 type game, which means it's going to probably be like 17 to 22, like just some weird score. Uh, but this is, you know, hey, is this your Gabe Davis redemption match? Maybe Steph Diggs should probably get a lot of points. Isaiah McKenzie going to be out there. You know, Josh Allen's going to ball out. That's just what he's been doing all year, even if you won't give him credit for it. And then on the other side, you know, Travis Kelsey's probably going to get blanketed. Because, you know, like anyone with eyeballs watched that Monday night game uh, where it's like, okay, if we're in the red zone, they're going to throw it to Kelsey. So, like, let's make them go anywhere else. Uh, so, it'll be interesting to see. Does Juju finally have a good game? Does Sky Moore maybe get involved? Um, you know, just wh- where do they go with the ball? But you better believe the, that the uh, Chiefs are going to be ready to go for this one. Should be pretty high scoring. Should be exciting. Like, this is kind of like 
what the NFL wants the product to be on the field going forward. So they're going to do everything they can to make this a high scoring game. Yeah, as excited as I am for Cowboys Eagles, I really wish this was the Sunday night matchup <clears throat> just because I think it's going to be spectacular. Yeah, we're probably hyping it up a little bit too much, like you said, but I don't think how you I don't know how you can temper your expectations. Like these are two teams that are exciting on offense. They had a crazy good playoff matchup last year, and they are two offenses that just love to spread it around. Like they are very liberal with who they're giving it to. Uh, I don't know if you saw this past week, McKinnon came back and ended up out snapping CEH again. So like we have no clue who's going to run that offense on the running back side. And like you mentioned, like yes, Kelsey had the four touchdowns and dominated the passing game this past week, but they're probably going to have to spread it around. A little bit more with Juju and everybody else. So, so I two points wait. there. Yeah, two points there. One, you highlight CEH, and and yeah, if I'm a CEH owner, I you gotta trade him, right? Like it, it's just you don't know what they're going to do. It's a it's matter like, of try, time. Try to sell that. Like, look, he's still a top ten running back while you can, because he's just not going to get two receiving touchdowns a game, and that's what's been fueling his production. Because uh, yeah, you have like seven carries. I, I mean, like he's just you know, out of nowhere, he'll just not get the ball. And it's, it's hard to project that. It's hard to feel safe there. And the number two, you know, Monday was so weird because I've said it at least three times in this podcast, but you drafted Travis Kelsey because he's going to be somewhere between six to 10 catches for 80 to 120 yards. And then maybe a touchdown, right? That's kind of like his stat line. You feel safe because it's going to be a guaranteed 14 to 24 points, depending if he gets that catch or not. And this past week, it was like, okay, so he scores 28 points. Well, why was that? Well, he had four touchdown catches for 20 yards. And it's like, that it was the most anti-Kelsey stat line ever. Like, he's supposed to be the guy that catches the ball and gets him 15 when they're in the middle of the field, you know, just kind of sneaky fast. Um, but it that wasn't it. And it was, it was really interesting to see kind of that just very unique game out of him, uh, I guess, for, for lack of better words. Yeah, it is funny because on the podcast when we were recording, you were like, oh, we haven't seen Kelsey yet. You know, we've seen Taysom Hill, but Kelsey might end up putting up a big game and you are 100% right there. I, I think you're also right in that Kelsey's usually the more middle of the field between the 20s kind of guy. Like it reminds me of that one time where he got that catch and then he ended up doing a little lateral to Shady McCoy and then Shady McCoy was able to run it all the way down the field because Kelsey, at the end of the day, love him or hate him, like he's a very much so a team guy and just wants to win. I don't know if you saw the stat on who has had the most touchdown or the the least number of receiving yards while getting four touchdowns. So Kelsey had four touchdowns and had, I think it was 25 receiving yards is what he finished with. The next closest was 99 yards, and it was Marvin Jones Jr. for my Detroit Lions just randomly. So a quarter of the number of yards in order to get four touchdowns. So just a wild stat line all the way. I mean, yeah, the, he he was just like non-existent. And then it's like, all right, we're on the two yard line. What's every play we have for Trav? Let's get it out. Yeah. He's like, we want a shovel pass. Give it to me. Uh, you mentioned earlier. I forgot to say this. Uh, blowing your fab on Kenneth Walker, the third this week. I had one league where someone blew their entire fab on Kenneth Walker the third so a little risky I like it you know if your team's struggling you might as well do it but Jesus Christ that's a lot of money for Kenneth Walker fake money to be fair so my two matchups that I have this week uh the first one's strictly just based off of how I think the defense is gonna look uh Saquon Barkley is currently leading the league in rushing yards he's looked incredible so far this year and I think he's gonna go absolutely hog wild this week the Ravens' defense is extremely beat up. Tyus Bowser is still trying to work his way. He's a leading sack guy 
and one of the better run defenders for the Ravens. He's still working his way back from injury. Their first round or their second round pick, excuse me, out of Michigan, also a off ball linebacker. He's still working his way back from injury. He's yet to play in practice. And then some other factors have been playing into it as well. Marcus Peters keeps getting banged up. And then Jimmy Smith, one of the best corners that the Ravens have ever had in franchise history. He's surprisingly retired in the last couple of weeks. So a lot of holes to fill all the way around on top of just like some general incompetence on the Ravens defense. Like Patrick Queen had a pretty abysmal uh, game last week and he covered it all up with an uh, with a interception on Joe Burrow. So I, I, I think that there's just a lot of holes on the Swiss cheese kind of Ravens defense. So I guess it'll allow for the Giants just to go crazy and do whatever they want. And then on the other side, Lamar Jackson just keeps cooking and this Giants defense isn't overly impressive. It's nothing to write home about. So I think we'll see a lot of points in this and just a very, very high tempo going back and forth. This is a chance uh, for Kayvon Thibodeau to really prove the, the line wrong in drafting Hutchinson because if he has another big game against a big time quarterback man does anyone that you know the fact that he wasn't picked one or two like people are gonna be losing their minds that they let him slip you know when he was just clearly a, a freak athlete type prospect uh, I think that the interesting thing to this matchup for me is I think the Ravens at least coaching wise are smart enough to say hey can Daniel Jones beat us right they're going to load that box up probably put their decimated cornerback core uh, out on islands by themselves and say, Hey guys, we, we like, we don't think you're great. I mean, obviously you don't say it to your team, but like, you know, Hey, we think you can cover these, these uh, giants receivers. And we don't think Daniel can put balls, uh, you know, in proper timing to, to do it. You know, he looked good against the Packers. He was delivering some strikes, but I I really think you, you've got to challenge. It's, it's gotta be, can the Ravens make Daniel Jones beat them? And, you know, every team the rest of the year is going to be that way because Saquon's, you know, on a sun run right now. I mean, he's just as hot as can be for for a running back. Um, so you'd like to think someone like Harbaugh smart enough to be like, all right, we're going eight-man boxes, and if we give up big plays, it's not going to be to Saquon. Yeah, and you reminded me, even beyond that, Marcus Williams, their big free agent addition at safety, he's on IR, got placed on IR this week. And then their backup safety beyond him, Tony Jefferson, he ended up getting released by the Ravens and he signed with the Giants of all teams. So just a lot of narrative things, just not really going the Ravens' way this week. So Ravens uh, bring back Earl Campbell for some defensive help? Maybe, maybe. <laughs> I don't know what they're going to do at this point. They need Ray Lewis. They need the ghost of Ed Reed. They need something in order to fill some holes on this defense. And the guys that they expected to step up, like Kyle Ham, excuse me, Kyle Hamilton, the safety out of Notre Dame, who was supposed to go like top five or top ten in the draft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like the elite. Like people were like, hey, he should be a top five prospect, but he's safety, so he won't. Like he was kind of like a another worldly. Um, yeah safety prospect and that was like his only ding was he's a safety exactly like the positional value just wasn't there and he slipped to 14 and the ravens at the time happily scooped him up he's been looking abysmal this year he's looked extremely tight and he had a really really costly uh pass interference call last week on hayden hurst right on the goal line so i just worry about this ravens defense and i think the giants are going to have their best offensive matchup of the season this week. are the ravens still power rank number one team uh, for for mad mac are you finally going to relinquish that 
I think you have to go Eagles. You know, they're the only undefeated team in the NFL, but Ravens are still top five comfortably, comfortably. I don't know if I'd call them comfortably top five. That's a, <laughs> that's a stretch. I don't know. It's just like they look better as a team than like the Buccaneers or the Packers right now. So I don't know. The The elites of the elites are a little bit tough. And it's kind of like Brady saying, like, everyone's just kind of in the middle right now. We haven't figured out exactly who's good yet. The other good matchup that I really, really like for fantasy this week is the Dolphins versus the Vikings. I think these are two teams that are fairly beat up on defense as well, have been giving up a lot of points. They're both high-flying offenses, and as much as I worry about Skylar Thompson, it's sounding like Tyree Kill is going to be back this week, even though he's in a walking boot. He still has Jalen Waddle and all their other weapons. Raheem Mostert looked incredible last week, like a true running back one. I, I know a lot of the the shine has been going to Jeff Wilson, but Mostert honestly has looked like a really, really good pickup and has made Chase Edmonds completely irrelevant. Chase Edmonds had one carry for one yard this past week. And on the other side, like Jefferson has just been dominating. And I think this is the week we finally get to see him get a touchdown. So I'm excited for this matchup. It's going to be one that I watch and I'm going to be putting on red zone happily and watching some points get scored. I, I was so one because we're going to do start sit here in a second but i was like okay what's a sneaky start and i was thinking man that vikings defense uh if they get to go against a third string quarterback like who i would tee him up but then i was watching i mean because my buddy's a bears fan so i watched all of the bears vikings and i'm like well they just let justin fields posterize them like i'm probably gonna go ahead and not rely on this vikings defense in any situation so uh yeah to your point i think that mike mcdaniel is a smart enough coach to put his players in a position to perform their best. So, you know, maybe that means more like uh, tunnel screens, more of like the speed outs with, with Waddle and Tyreek, uh, depending on Tyreek's health, but he, he's going to scheme it up. It honestly, it, shoot, he might run Raheem Mostert 35 times if it's working. Like I, you know, he's from that Shanahan tree where if they could run the ball every time in a game, that's what they would do. So it, it could be, it's just gonna be interesting. I don't know. I'll, I'm I'm excited to see what happens. Uh, to your point, like it's, you know, if, if this was the same Dolphins of three weeks ago, this would be the biggest matchup of the week potentially, just because it'd be a four and one Vikings versus probably like a four and one, maybe even five and zero Dolphins, and it, you know, it'd be an awesome, awesome matchup with the whole Tua and Teddy going down thing. It makes it kind of weirdly scarred, but it, it should still be a pretty fun matchup. Yeah, definitely. And honestly, I forgot about the Bears matchup last week. Like, if you can make the Bears offense look somewhat competent, you're doing something wrong on defense. They were so. driving. The Bears were driving to at least tie the game until a wide receiver was like, I want to fight for two extra yards instead of get out of bounds. And that was the fatal mistake. I can't believe they did that. He literally just said, gimme. And then he just took it all the way down. the. Field. It, was, it was bad. It was, a, it was an ultimate Bears moment. Yeah, he, he just outmanned him. He was just like, give it to me. <laughs> Alrighty, so let's go ahead and move into our stardom sit-ems for the week. Uh, we got three starts, three sets, just like normal. So starts off with the, your first one, Jimmy D. Yeah, I, so I'm really excited about Chris Godwin for the Buccaneers. You know, he he had the knee injury last year, so he was already lower on people's radar. First game back, he looks good. You know, he had like five or six catches until he had that hamstring injury. And so obviously goes out against the uh, the Cowboys. Uh, so he's he kind of been not playing the past couple weeks. And then finally, this last two weeks, he's back in and, you know, putting up not like God mode Godwin stats, but like respectable, you know, six catches brings in everything that goes his way type stats, uh, you know, 10, 10 to 12 points a week, which, yeah, you're not like over the over the moon excited about it. But you can see the progression he's making. You know, that Bucks offense is just better with Godwin in it. 
Uh, so I, I think you're finally seeing the the truly healthy Godwin, and and I'd be really excited to start him this week because, you know, when it's Evans, Godwin, and Fournette in the lineup, they look good or um, they're looking better, right? Like that, you can see the the wheels turning on this offense. It's not like when it's okay, we're going to give it to Lenny three times and that or you know two times and hope to God Evans can posterize someone and and that's the entire offense. Like they actually have some plays schemed up at, at all uh, all levels of the defense when Godwin's in the lineup. Yeah, definitely. And I think that the whole offense is just like warming up a little bit. I feel like we've seen this a lot with the Buccaneers where they start a little bit slow and then Tom Brady goes scorch earth towards the end of the season. So I'm excited to see what they do. Well, it's just, you know, you know, because people put way too much stock into Tom missing 10 to 11 ga- days of, of, of training camp. But like in general, I, you know, the number of Patriot seasons that started two and two just to end in a Super Bowl run, I, I were basically countless. Like, the, you know, he, even though Bill Shack's the one that says it, like, I mean, obviously Brady was a big part of that system. Like you don't know who your team is until November, you know? So all of September's just like, all right, let's win the games that we can and figure out who we are. You get into October, they just had a, a tough break against the chiefs where the chiefs just ran real hot. But I mean, they, their offense looked better, right? They still put up 33 points or whatever it was. Um, so, you know, you can just eat the writings on the wall, like where they're really starting to figure it out. Yeah. You know what season it is right now too? Mass singer season. We'll we'll be hot ready to know why Uh-oh. Tom Brady ended up missing. So is that, that why he's missing on camp. Wednesdays? Yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe he's got to do some filming, baby. Uh, yeah. So let's move into the next one. The one that I'm really, really excited about is Richie James, N- very unknown receiver. I feel like in general, uh, but he is a wide receiver on the New York Giants. He's their leading receiver so far this season. I think this is his opportunity to have a true breakout. If you're one of the people that has a lot of people on the uh, teams that have buys this week, that's the Lions, the Titans, the Raiders, the Texans. I give a really good opportunity to plug and play Richie James in your flex for all the reasons that we mentioned in the best fantasy matchup segment. Ravens are really Should I drop Allen Robinson for Richie James. hundred percent. Okay. hundred percent. I, I would, I would much so rather start Richie James this week than Allen Robinson. Like, well, not I, even start. Cause I, mean, I just like, like to have on your roster going forward is Richie James. Yeah. Yeah, like why would you want a guy whose ceiling is eight points per game whenever Richie James is available? So I I love his matchup. I love his speed. And again, like all of the other weapons for the Giants that you would traditionally think of, Sterling Shepard, out. Uh, Kenny Galladay, hurt and ineffective. So it just makes so much sense that Richie James could have a very good game this week against a Swiss cheese defense. So, And then on the flip side of things, Scary Terry has been looking truly scary. Uh, the man is averaging, um, uh, he's he only has 19 receptions on the season. So that's roughly like two or three a game. Um, every single other receiver on Washington has looked so much better this season. It's absolutely insane. Um, he has been uh, completely outplayed by Curtis Samuel, uh, Dotson, who's actually out for this Thursday night matchup. And uh, Logan Thomas, honestly, has almost been outplaying him. And that's at the tight end position with all of his concussion issues. So if I have McLaurin, I'm not starting him this week, especially in a Thursday night matchup against a very, very boring, slow it down Denver Broncos team. Right. Well, they're playing uh, the Bears this Thursday. Or Bears, excuse me. Excuse yeah, me, no, no worries, because it's Chargers-Broncos on Monday. Yeah. Which is like, why are the Broncos on, in prime time again? It, you know, blow my brains out here. Are the Bears but, and Broncos that different of a team, let's be honest? <laughs> no, no, they're not. They're, they're the same colors, same things going on there. Yeah. Um. Uh, so the big thing with Terry, 
you know, we had the scary quote last week, but with, with Dotson out, he really should have seen an uptick in usage, and he didn't. And it wasn't like, oh, God, well, did Wentz only throw for 100 yards? No, he threw for 350 yards against the Titans. So where did the yardage go? Everywhere but Scary Terry. So it's like you really have to hope that he turns it around, but until then, he's a flex play at best, right? Or, or you know, if you just have better options, sit him for now. You know, it's it's not like a great... It's a great matchup against the Bears in the sense that their their pass defense, you know, let Justin Jefferson casually catch the ball ten times in the first quarter before deciding to guard him. But McLaurin's not Justin Jefferson, and and the the Commanders aren't using him that way. Definitely, you you're hating on another Commanders player this week, right? You're not wanting to start Antonio Gibson. So Antonio Gibson. Those first four weeks were supposed to be a little bit better, right? Like week one was like, yes, this is what we want Antonio Gibson, 14 to 16 points, make the commanders, you know, fall in love with him. So they forget about Brian Robinson until, you know, B-Rob gets back. And then best case scenario, 50-50 split in the backfield. Well, Brian Robinson comes back after getting shot in the leg three times and he gets immediately the lion's share of the touches. Now it was only nine touches for 22 yards. So it looked pretty bad, but Gibson touched the ball like three or four times. Um, that's not really even flex viable, right? That's like Jamichael Hasty numbers. That's that's not where you want to be. Um, so it, it's unfortunate. I have you know one or two shares of Gibson because he just fell so low. I felt like I had to grab him. But the the overreactions in the off season might have actually been justified, right? Because if Brian Robinson started from day one, Gibson's I mean borderline relegated to practice squad. Like he he's just not touching the ball when they have B Rob out there. Um, so. The, and, and the Bears were, you know, as bad as they are at defending the pass, they got Roquan Smith up the middle. Like they have some competent backers. They can stop the run well enough. They're, they're not a great defense in general, but like they they let Dalvin Cook get a couple touchdowns, but it was it was Justin Jefferson moving them down the field. And then Cook finally getting some space when, when the game was, uh, I guess when the defense was finally getting tired. But yep. it wasn't like Cook was just mowing over people or anything like that. Like it was really, uh, you know, Jay Jeff and then some Thielen kind of sprinkled in there with the occasional ca- uh, Cook carry. Exactly, exactly. And just like looking at the blind resumes, like would you rather have Gibson at three carries for six yards or a running back, Brian Robinson, nine carries for 22 yards? Like it's just a given. It's just easy math to do at that point. So I think Robinson is the running back to own going forward. I think very clearly they were waiting for him to come back and be able to give him a shot at the backfield. It's just a matter of that injury until Gibson was going to end up giving it up. So uh, Gibson had that really good first week one, just like you mentioned, but it was all just on the receiving side. You know, it was eight, eight catches for 72 yards. And that's what we saw him do in college, right? He was a college wide receiver pri- uh, primarily. So um, well, I think it's confusing though. Season. Yeah. Well, it's confusing. Cause it's like, so they know they knew drafting him. He was a receiver and it was like, clearly that makes him probably a pretty good pass catching back. You, you know, you think back to like Le'Veon Bell playing out of the slot as a running back. And that's like a really exciting way to use Gibson. Like that's why the bills went out and got James cook, you know, cause it just is a matchup nightmare because you can, pull him into the backfield. Okay. He's got a linebacker and man, cool enough flare him out of the slot. And he's definitely quicker than any backer. Like this is an easy five yards that he could break for, you know, 25 yards. And it's like, so why, why not use him that way? He's clearly better than JD McKissick, but they're still just like, nah, we want JD McKissick in there on third down. It's like, yeah, don't even worry about Gibson on third down. Like do some of that, the Packer 
what they call it, the pony backfield, where you've got B-Rob as kind of the, the bruiser and then flare out Gibson as more of the elusive guy. Um, you know, I think it just kind of goes down to like Riverboat Ron is a good leader of men, but I don't think he's a great offensive schemer. And like that team's just kind of treading water. Yeah. Do we, do you really think we're watching a coach really lose touch with current offensive schemes? I feel like we're kind of seeing that right now with Ron Rivera. A little bit. I mean, cause even Belichick was like, Hey, we got to change what we're doing on offense this year. Cause the, the Patriots offense was notoriously way too confusing for rookies to pick up and we could never draft a rookie that could figure it out. Like the only guys that worked in our offense historically were Julian Edelman because he was a quarterback in college, Jacoby Myers, cause he was a quarterback in college Gronk because running a tight end seam, isn't that hard to figure out. Um, and then, uh, Randy Moss because it was like, Hey, Randy go deep and he could just blow past people. But like, we just, you know, few and far between receivers that could pick up our, our offense. And, and we finally are like, Hey, let's, let's try out this, this stretch zone a little bit. Let's try, you know, simplifying the playbook. So, you know, our newer guys can figure it out. Yeah. Uh, so to see Ron Rivera just be like, nah, don't need to do it. Like, let's, let's just keep running the ball old school style. Let's let the commander Carson Wentz lead us uh, to the promised land. I think you're seeing it just flat out not work. Yeah. And I think whenever you're throwing your quarterback publicly under the bus, he said this week that he thought the biggest problem was quarterback. I think you're definitely losing some level of control and just showing that behind the scenes, the organization is just a bit of a mess. So, uh, no, they remember the, or the commander's organization, the, it's like what they're, you know, they're actually, it's pretty good. The, the rapport that they have there and the, you know, the, the team chemistry. So yeah, nothing it, to worry about. It all starts at the top, you know, the best owner in the NFL, Dan Snyder. So who wouldn't want to play for that guy? <laughs> yeah. Who all, wouldn't? All right. You are double, triple quadrupling down on the Packers backfield this weekend as well, too. Yeah. So this past week, the Packers unequivocally should have won that game. They, they choked it in the second half. Why did they choke it? Well, they didn't lean on their run game that was just eviscerating the Giants. Like they they were getting five yards per carry, no problem. And then they're like, nah, let's let's just stop doing that. Uh, even um, Matt, oh my goodness, Matt, um, give me his last name. I'm losing Matt it. Matt Lafleur. Thank you, Lafleur. Yeah. <laughs> uh, said, yeah, you know, I that's on me. We should have been giving the ball to these guys more. So the coach has come out and stated he wants to get the running backs more involved. Um, to me, that you know, means we're getting back to more of those week one and week two type touches, not the week five touches. So I'd, I'd like to think that both AJ Dillon and uh, Aaron Jones are, are in play this week. Uh, this They've already said it's a must win game. You know, you're, you're going against a Jets team that's got South Gardner. So I'm definitely trying to run the ball a bit more than, than test what is truly an elite, you know, rookie cornerback, which is crazy to think that that's the case. But I mean, if, again, if you're going to run the ball for five plus yards per carry, I'd like to think at some point you just go ahead and lean on that instead of like relying on Randall Cobb getting a hundred yards a game to to help you win. Definitely. Who do you think is like the receiver to own in this uh, wide receiver core? I was having a discussion with someone earlier this week and heard a pretty good convincing argument for Romeo Dubs. Like he's been honestly incredibly solid. His floor is actually pretty high, and I think one of the coolest statistics and fantasy football that is a definite need to know is rookie receivers typically improve as we go along in a season like the first half is usually a little bit slower we don't expect them to be doing too much but then in the last eight weeks five to eight weeks that's when they really start taking off so i'm kind of leaning dubs but i'm kind of curious what you think to me it's it's going to be lazard 
And I know I've been, I've definitely been a, a, a hater, if you will, of Lazard. But if you watch the the Packers games, which they've been on in, in pretty prime slots enough that you can kind of see it. And, and if you listen to Aaron Rodgers talk, which, you know, he goes on the Pat McAfee show once a week and, and kind of just walks through his thought process. Uh, I mean, he's highlighted two weeks in a row how much, one, he feels connected with Lazard and two, how much he knows he needs to get the ball to him more. Uh, so that's just kind of like a giant flag. Like, yeah, that's probably then who you want to own. Uh, when they lost the game, that last play of the game was a back shoulder to Lazard that got batted down at the line of scrimmage. Like, you know, in key moments, that's where he's looking to get the ball. He wants to get the ball to Allen Moore. And, and I think for that reason, he's definitely the asset you want with Dobbs being a, a very close second, because to your point, he's the deep ball threat. He is is kind of earning that trust. You've seen him get some contested throws like usually you know with, with the older guys so Aaron and Tom they just don't trust rookies right if you can't be in the right spot if you're clearly covered they're, they're not throwing up a lot of 50 50 balls to him especially Aaron who loves protecting that interception stat that he has but he has no problem against the Patriots throwing back shoulders to Dobbs throwing 50 50 balls to Dobbs if, if he's clearly in man coverage um, so, you know, that's exciting to see and to your point receivers rookie receivers really turned on you, you know you look back to Jamar season last year through the first four weeks you're like yeah he's he's pretty good and then that switch flipped and it's like oh my god you've got to get your hands on him i i hope by the end of the season we'll decide on if it's dubs or dobs <laughs> I, I don't think it's i don't think it's christian watson that's for sure like or yeah. what is it christian watson or watkins i think it's, it's watson it's watson i'm pretty sure yeah yeah, yeah. But, like he's he's speed but they're not getting him the ball like he doesn't seem to run routes right or something like they're they're just kind of doing speed speed screens with them yeah, and the exciting thing with Watson too is like his athletic score whenever he's at the combine was like off the charts. Like it was like second best of all time. But I don't know if that's just like some power creep or just like some people just getting really, really good for the combine and like not being as good on the actual football there, field. There's but. an element of that for sure, right? Like that's why people say, well, you got to watch the tape because like these guys, like the combine hasn't changed since 1972. Like these guys know exactly what they have to do. There's trainers that are entirely dedicated to like, here is how you beat the 40 yard dash. Here is how you beat the, you know, the cone drill and things like that. And like, people can really, you know, get specialized for it. And and at the end of the day, like we're playing football, we're not running around without pads on. Yeah. I got John Ross a bag of money. So Uh, on the flip side though, if you're going to be starting Jones, you're going to be starting Dylan. I think, Joe Mixon makes a lot of sense as a sit this week. Uh, He had a little bit of a better game against the Ravens, but I think that was a bit of a fluke simply because the Ravens defense has been incredibly beat up. Uh, He finally had a decent yards per carry average 5.6 after being at three or under the entire rest of the season. Um, The other big things that I'm struggling with is the manager just isn't scoring touchdowns. He's amongst the league leaders in red zone and goal line touches, but he only has one touchdown on the season. So he's just not turning those into efficient opportunities and lastly he's yet to have a 20 yard run this entire season so he's not even doing it between the hashes that that was the worry about Mixon, right is like he had he put up rb3 numbers last year because he converted those into 16 touchdowns and everyone was like he's traditionally a three touchdown a year maybe like kind of guy you know you can't rely on 16 touchdowns it's what you said about damian harris you know things like that it's like those are the red flags you have to pay attention to the issue I have with this sit, although I think it's I think it's a good one. I don't mean it as a like here's a gotcha moment, but it's just like, man, you've got to have some balls of steel if you're sitting your first or second round pick. And I got to think like, who are you playing over Mixon 
Uh, I, I'm going to assume you have like three stud receivers, right? Like your traditional one QB lineup, three really good receivers, which means you're only playing two running backs. So what are you like starting ETN and like an AJ Dillon over Mixon? Like what, what would you be doing? I, I guess. Yeah. I'd rather start Dillon. I'd rather start ETN. If you drafted Stevenson later in your draft, I think he makes a lot of sense as someone you start over him. I'd rather have Kareem Hunt this week than Joe Mixon. Um, just working the way down the line. I'd rather have JK Dobbins this week. Than Joe Mixon, I, I just like don't really like this matchup against is the Saints Mixon, Is Mixon a, a trade target for you in the sense of like trying to get him off your roster if you can? I didn't draft Mixon at all, so I can't personally say no, so. You, but you're in I, twenty leagues and you have no Mixon, no Mixon. I completely just next Mixon. I know, um, but yeah, I just don't love Joe Mixon for. I didn't love him for the season. I don't like him this week, especially against that Saints defense that's pretty stout. So, do, do you uh, think it'd be possible Rams. to get a Ramondre Stevenson for Joe Mixon? And would you do it? I think it's possible to get it. I just don't think that. If you have Stevenson, I don't think you should trade him for Mixon personally. I right, no, I'm saying if, you, if I have Mixon, which I don't, I'm like, yeah, I don't have any Mixon because just where the the timing of picks was, I never really felt the value was there. But yeah. so I, if you could, that you would try to get like a Ramondre. Yeah, I mean, I think you get Stevenson and more. Honestly, would you trade Kamara for Stevenson? <sighs> That's a little bit tougher, just because Kamara has been really, really rough. Like. Mixon at least has been getting some catches, and Kamara just like hasn't been doing much of anything. Um, he had a big game last week, finally yeah, after the end, but that was against the Seahawks. Yeah, <laughs> that, so it's like that, that one. Might, does it count? That one might be a push. I don't know. It's really just personal flavor at that point. It depends on how long Damian Harris is out, which we don't know. But man, thinking of Ramondre being the only healthy back in that backfield is so so satisfying. Yeah, I'm salivating on my mic just thinking about it. We're, we're gonna have to redo your uh, Game of Thrones meme that you put on our Twitter. <laughs> I love that one so much. It's such an underutilized picture, too. I haven't seen too many people doing that. All right, let's move into Guess the Lines. It's back. It's returning. Jimmy D kills me at this game, apparently. So maybe I could do a little bit better this week. So our first matchup is Commanders versus Bears. I did Bears minus two and a half. There's a home team. And so I gave them three points, basically. Yeah, I, so I was thinking this is more or less a push. Um, but the Bears are the home team. Give them a point and a half. I, I could see it being three, though. Yeah, it's a Thursday night game. It's a little strange, but Jimmy wins this. It's Bears minus one. Next up, we have 49ers versus Falcons. Uh, this one's a little strange because it's just like two kind of average quarterbacks going back and forth. I could see this being a very, very bland game. I end up doing 49ers minus four and a half, even though they are away. I, I just think that they're a more talented team, and a lot of people seem to like the Niners so far this season. Yeah, for for me, the, you know, the, the Niners are really starting to turn it on, right? Like they, they had a pretty rough week um the against like the broncos and you know jimmy had that run on the back of the end zone to save dan Orlovsky's, um future type type play but they're they're starting to in the minds of the public really take over uh the issue is this is a home game for the falcons and, and we've seen it you know the last time we did this like man vegas is really leaning into home field advantage a little bit this year so i was thinking it was like the the niners should potentially win by a touchdown they're away in this game uh so then that would be like already three points like off of that so like a minus three and a half makes it like where a touchdown's kind of iffy and, and so that's why i put them at three and a half hot i win this one niners minus five and a half easy damn easy all right i, I might be way wrong then if, if vegas is only worried like if there's no no that home field mumbo jumbo going on yeah they might be doing a little market correcting right now i don't know 
Uh, this next one, uh, we did the exact same one. I, I liked yours so much. I, I couldn't stop from myself from doing the exact same thing. So it's Patriots at Browns. Um, Patriots had an impressive os- offensive and defensive showing last week against the Lions. Uh, I think last week I probably would have put this at like Browns minus like four and a half. But based off that and the Browns being home, I did Browns minus two and a half, as did you. Yeah, Browns are floundering a little bit, which kind of makes this more of a push, you know, home field to minus three. Uh, but I would not be surprised if the Patriots come out this game because the Browns are the Browns are Browning right now. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean they've what lost. Is the line, by the way, it's uh, we both treated here. It's Browns minus two and a half. So okay, <laughs> it'll be a tie all the way around. I could also see the Patriots winning this game. Like the Browns have lost three games by a combined six points, but. They're just not executing the way that they showed with Jacoby Brissett under. I want to say Belichick's record against the Browns since being fired by the Browns is like unreal. Yeah. Like it's a, such a, an incredible record, but I could be wrong on that. He never forgets. Uh, we got the, we got the three and two Jets against the three and two Packers. Uh, Packers are the home team. Uh, I think that the Jets are improved, but I mean, it's still the Jets at the end of the day. So I did Packers minus four and a half. Yeah, Packers off of a bad loss, a very public bad loss, finally getting a noon kickoff. Um, you know, I, I think the market is set up as such that it's like people probably aren't buying what the Jets are selling just yet. Now, if the Jets win this week, then it's like all full scale panic mode for the Packers. And then people are going to be like, damn, this Jets team's legit. But I, I think until until you prove that, you're, they're going to beat that guy. It's just the Jets. So I, I went with a touchdown for the Packers at home. Yeah, you definitely won this one. I should have gone higher. It's Packers minus seven and a half. So I thought, I don't know. I just thought that the the hype and the momentum was a little bit on the Jets side of things. And New York, you know, they have a lot of influence. It eh, just didn't work out. Next up, Jaguars at Colts. Uh, Jaguars, uh, I just, I they struggled a little bit last week. They had Trevor Lawrence throw a really, really ugly interception right on the goal line. The Colts have also struggled, but uh, have picked it up a little bit more so. They're 2-2-1. Two, two, and one. This is a very tight divisional race. I ended up going Jaguars minus one, even with Colts being the home team. Yeah, to me, so both teams played pretty poorly. One was in primetime, which would hurt the Colts, but that kind of makes it like to a push because the Colts already got their loss to the Jaguars out of their system. And it's like, it's just known in this division, the Colts always lose to the Jaguars once a season, but usually they end up picking up the other one. So there's like a lot of weird, like just interdivisional things going on here. To me, it it made me feel like the Colts probably should be favored. Uh, I mean, just based off of home, based off of kind of where they're at. And man, that Jaguars loss looked ugly. Yeah. As ugly as the Colts win, but at least the Colts was a win. So I just said Colts are going to be the favorite here. Two and a half. Yeah, it looked like the Colts were spiraling, but they're picking it up a little bit more. And you're right. It's Colts minus two. So you're only half point off there. Up next, we have the Vikings at Dolphins. Uh, my thought process here is if Tua was healthy, this would probably end up being a push with the Dolphins being a home team. But with it not being Tua, it's not Teddy. It's going to be Skylar Thompson. I did Vikings minus two and a half against the rookie. Yeah, and I'm thinking because I when I was looking, it wasn't for sure that Teddy is out, but it wasn't looking great for him. Knowing that's a third stringer, I might have pushed this a little further. But to the same point, like it's a home game for the Dolphins, which helps. But man, that Vikings team looked is looking pretty good. I I still think the Dolphins keep it very close. I I just said Vikings one and a half, and, and I think there's just a lot of like, well, there's home field for Dolphins, but they don't have you know a quarterback, so it's like it's it's a weird game. Um, I, I could see the line being almost anywhere on this one. 
Yeah, it ended up being Vikings minus three and a half, so I get this one okay. by a point. Next up, Bengals at Saints. These are two teams in two fairly similar situations, both two and three, both just behind the division leader. Uh, Bengals dropped a tough one against the Ravens on a last-second field goal, and then uh, the Saints have been kind of up and down throughout the season. Taysom Hill really put in work last week. So I am doing Saints minus three just because I think the talent level is a little bit higher on both sides of the ball. Yeah, I'm almost like same exact reasoning, but I think the talent level is a little higher on the Bengals. Uh, The Saints don't have a quarterback right now, right? Jameis is hurt. Taysom Hill's a a running back slash tight end, however you want to think about him. Like, there's just a lot of weird shenanigans going on there. With the Saints being home, that probably should be Saints favored, but I just I just like the Bengals are a better team. They're they're not showing it yet, but they're I think they'll be able to turn around. That hangover's definitely been hitting them pretty hard though. Yeah, you're killing me, man. It's Bengals minus two. (laughs) I don't know why. It's like whenever I miss, I miss huge. (laughs) Next up, we have Ravens at Giants. This is uh, two upstart teams. You know, Giants are right there in the thick of the the race in the NFC East. Uh, The way I saw this is the Ravens are just a more talented team overall, although the Giants do have the better record. I did Ravens minus five and a half even on the road. Yeah, and I was, I, I think the Ravens are better, but you know what? We've been saying that every week that the Giants have been playing is, oh, well, the other team's probably better, and the Giants just keep eking out wins. Uh, the Giants are home. You know, I, I think at some point, the fact that the Wonder New York still have a bigger uh, betting base, and two, at some point, people have to start giving them a little bit of respect. I thought it was going to be closer, more like a Ravens two and a half spread. I said Ravens minus five and a half. That's the actual spread. I was looking at it on my phone, but I did write Ravens minus four and a half and it's Ravens minus five and a half. So I get that one. My bad on those. I'm surprised. I, th- I think the game's going to be closer. Yeah, maybe this so is a fishy line. Th- this feels like a, a Lamar kind of just like slinging it kind of game, but we'll see. We'll see. Next up, we got Bucks at Steelers. Uh, this is a reeling Steelers team that got destroyed against the Bills last week. And then a Bucks team that's been a little bit up and down. I end up going Bucks minus five and a half. Yeah, so I'm Bucks minus seven to same points you thought of, right? Like this Steelers team is just like trying to stop the hemorrhaging. Uh, it's really can very quickly be like, screw it. We're going for that number one seed or number one pick. Um, the Buccaneers are starting to figure things out. Um, to, so to me, it's just it's similar to that Packers game. Like this, you know, home game or no, it's, it's a home game for the Steelers. I think maybe yeah. I should have dropped my line a little bit, but I still think it's the Bucks got to be at least a touchdown favorite. Yeah, it's kind of interesting seeing the Steelers in the pole position for a quarterback right after they just drafted a quarterback in Kenny Pickett. So they need to figure out what they want to do going forward. But you are much closer than me. It is Bucks minus eight. So they're yeah, expecting they see, to blow out. The problem, so I mean, it was just so publicly that they got just ass blasted last week, right? I mean, Josh Allen threw for 350 yards and he didn't even make it into the locker room for halftime yet. Mm-hmm. Like, when that happens, people are probably just like, even old man Brady's gonna put up 250 in the first half, you know, just some like kind of shenanigans like that. Yeah, I think the Steelers have enough pride to keep it closer. It's not gonna be a, a three touchdown game or something goofy, but that Bucks team's just better right now. They don't have tj watt like they're not gonna be in this game yeah yeah yeah. they need a big mika game in order for it to be close i kind of hate myself for this next one now that i'm looking at it it's panthers at rams i don't really know what i was thinking i did rams minus four and a half but in hindsight 
you know, it's PJ Walker, most likely at quarterback for the Panthers this week. You know, he's a former XFL guy and Matt Rule got fired. I am a big believer that after a team fires a coach like that very next week, you know, they're really motivated. They really want to like show that, hey, maybe it wasn't us. Maybe it was the coach and they're all fighting for jobs at this point. But there's a lot of organizational disarray. So I probably should have gotten more than just four and a half for the Rams. <laughs> yeah, the, the Rams are not playing well right now, but those guys can read. They're seeing the people talking about how the Panthers have put up more points this season and, and they know that they're a more talented team. They're going to be motivated. They're at home, which doesn't always mean much for the Rams because there's not a huge base there, but it just, has, they actually have a competent organization right now. It's It's got to be more, probably should have been a touchdown, but I just did minus five and a half just because both teams are kind of in a weird spot right now. Yeah, I think this is actually the biggest line of the week. It's Rams minus nine and a half. So as soon as I saw I was higher than you at five and a half instead of four and a half, I was like, I feel like I've got this yeah. unlock. Yeah, you got that price is right for sure. <laughs> I messed up on that one. Uh Cardinals at Seahawks is the next one. We're split on this one too. I did Cardinals minus three and a half. Gino is slinging it, but I think the Cardinals are just a more talented team. Even with being the road team, I gave the Cardinals the points here. Yeah, so I think I just went with the home team thing. I think this is a push, but they got the 12th man going. I think that crowd's going to be rowdy. So to me, it's like the Seahawks field goal just based off a home field advantage. So I ended up being right. Cardinals minus two and a half. I want to split. I'm very proud of myself at this point. <laughs> Way to go, buddy. Yeah, this one's a little closer. This one's going to get out of the wire. It's six to four. We're both still in it. So let's see how this pans out. No, I already see I'm about to take it away here. You picked the Chiefs as a favorite. Not going to happen. It's Chiefs at home. So it's Bills at Chiefs. I actually, I, I should, yeah, I don't know. So it's Bills at Chiefs. Um, I did Chiefs minus two and a half. Chiefs are at home. That Arrowhead Stadium is going to be rocking. They definitely want to win this game and prove that they were the true winners last year. The 13 seconds are going to be on the mind of the Bills. So I did Chiefs minus two and a half. Yeah, I'm, I'm Bills one and a half. And, and that's out of respect to Arrowhead Stadium. But the Bills are going to be hungry to win this game. Uh, you know, I think they're smart enough to realize that if you stop Kelsey, it's a whole new ball game. Right. Like they actually have good coaching. They have good defensive players. Last year, Tyreek is what cooked them and Tyreek's not there anymore. I don't see Sky Moore filling in for that Tyreek type role. I think Josh Allen's just going to, he's going to, it's going to be those like touchdown every time they touch the ball performances. So even if the Chiefs slip up once, which they're capable of doing, you know, a silly interception here or there, um, I just, I think this is a Bills. Bill's favorite game here. Yeah, I I don't even know why I did this. Like, if this proves that I don't cheat, I don't know what will. I literally heard earlier today from a friend that Mahomes was a home dog for the first time in his entire career, and that ended up being the case. So it's Bill's minus two and a half. So you won that one. I just have too much integrity, I guess. Cowboys integrity. (laughs) Cowboys at Eagles. This is Sunday night game. Two very very. Uh, good teams at this point. Like they have both have great records, four and one versus five and zero. Oh. Arguably, the Eagles are the best team in football. I have the Eagles as the home team. Eagles minus three. It look it's looking like it's going to be Cooper Rush. It's not going to be quite Dak Prescott yet. Um, if it was Dak Prescott, I'd probably have this a little bit closer. But I'm going to go with Eagles minus three. E- Eagles being at home, I think pushes this up a lot for me. I'm Eagles minus four and a half. I, I, I don't see a scenario where the Cowboys can keep up with the firepower that the Eagles have. Cooper Rush has been holding down the fort pretty well, but a lot of great teams have tried to stop this Eagles offense and just have failed miserably. Uh, however, being a divisional matchup, obviously, it's going to be tougher. 
but I just I think the Eagles are gonna gotta have at least be four and a half point favorites. They might be five and a half or six point favorites. God damn it. Yeah. It's Eagles minus six and a half. Gosh dang it. I, I had an opportunity this week and I just completely blew it. So it's, I know you got you gotta you got close the door when you have the chance, man. I know, dude. Can't close. So this is the last one of the week. Doesn't matter too much. Monday night game. Broncos at Chargers. I kind of figured Chargers are the home team, minus three, Chargers more talented team. Did Chargers minus five and a half? Yeah, Chargers definitely more talented team. Chargers home. Uh, but Broncos definitely have a, a very competent defense. Um, you know, Monday night primetime, I just felt like the, the line was going to be closer. So I just did three and a half. Um, finger in there on that one. Not really sure, but we both kind of are directionally the same. You might end up being closer. Yeah. I got the consolation win here. Chargers minus five. All right. Nice. Eight to five, Jimmy D. Another victory. I need to get better at another this game. Dub. I hate losing, dude. I'm too competitive for this. All right. We're going to go to our hot take section. This week, we are going to be power ranking our favorite holidays. So I'll let you go one through five here. Okay. I This is, I think, the easiest, right? No doubt in my mind. Number one's got to go Christmas. It's, it is the ultimate holiday. I mean, there's it's the most wonderful time of the year and song and in truth right you you know the season's coming because mariah carries on your radio come you know october 27th and it's like all right it's it's game time i love christmas my mom does a fantastic job making christmas fun for everybody uh it, it really just is a magical time i'm i'm a huge fan i actually wrote a paper in college calling santa claus real um so you know it's and i got an a on the paper it's just pretty pretty good piece but uh number one hands down uh, and so the number two, kind of the segue into Christmas, Thanksgiving. All right. You get the best food, right? The Thanksgiving food's the best of, of any holiday. It, it beats Christmas. It, it smokes every other holiday, hands down. Um, you get football, three, three games. You don't have to talk to your family if you don't want to. You can just watch, you know, game after game after game. Uh, eat, watch the first game, you know, kind of re-up on some pie. Watch the second game. Eat your leftovers. Watch the third game, you know, go into comatose. Great times. Number three. Not always my favorite holiday, but I, you know, I think just being with Jordan as long as I have has helped me uh, grow a little bit more fondness of Spooktober and Halloween. But it's really just kind of a fun, um, you know, no, I guess no um, pressure holiday, right? Like Christmas and Thanksgiving, there's just so much going on. Your family's like, where are you going to be? When are you going to do this, that, that? It's like, no, Halloween is just like you dicking around with some buddies. Costume parties are a ton of fun. Uh, you know, we've gone, I've gone as a sexy construction worker before. That's a, that's a good holiday, right. uh, you know, costume right there. It, it's, it's just a fun one. Watch some scary movies, hand, hand out candy to kids. Uh, it's good stuff. Uh, number four, you know, not ironically, 4th of July, um, coming from the Midwest, obviously you're just blowing shit up all day. You, you love, you know, messing around with fireworks. You love, you know, grilling out, uh, just having people could be higher but generally speaking it's like 107 degrees on the fourth of july so the first 10 hours of the day are just brutally miserable but uh it's just part of it you're ready for it uh you know maybe go on a float trip go swimming or something it's it's a lot of fun and then number five you and i both had issues trying to think of like our fifth right like it was top three really easy for this one getting all five makes it a little tougher but to me this goes back to like halloween like a very low pressure holiday and it's just labor day uh, where I'm from, there's always huge Labor Day parties and celebrations. Um, it, it, it's really just a fun, you know, get your friends together, have a cookout, don't go to work the next day. Just a just a good holiday all around. 
not not too much to worry about. You know, you don't have to worry about your parents questioning if you're going to be there exactly at 1130 or, you know, are you going to be late? Things like that. Like, you know, just, just cook out. People come by when they want, have a good time. You got to love a good old fashioned American, you know, grill out. So that rounds out the top five. Yeah, American. We have very similar lists, but mine are a slightly different order. It's not like I'm going to add like, I don't know, flag day or something to my list. So I started off with Thanksgiving, always been my favorite holiday. It's always just a big to do in my family. And we always just end up doing something a little bit different. It's always right. It, it has to be. It's right around my birthday as well. So it's always like, oh, you know, we're doing a little birthday thing on top of doing Thanksgiving. And then the whole thing turns into like a bit of a weekend as well because then you have black friday right afterwards right so then you get to go shopping get a whole aspect of that the lions always play on thanksgiving and then the corn huskers always play on black friday so it's always just been a very fun thing for me and my family my mom does a great job putting together an awesome thanksgiving feast so that one's always my favorite and it's just like a full day of activities at least in my family secondly i did fourth of july i definitely have a soft spot for fireworks um Growing up, we grew up in the middle of nowhere, and right next to us, there's a giant empty field where people would test fireworks, like literally like for the next year, they were putting together the experimental types of fireworks, and they test them in the field right next to our house because it was empty, and it was always just so much fun. We got a whole month of fireworks, which got a little bit more annoying whenever I got older and like, I don't know, needed some sleep for work the next day, but it was always a lot of fun as a kid just being able to have a free fireworks show right outside your right outside your door uh you got the classic hot dog bonfire situation with it too um and then even if you want to mix it up you know you hit the boat hit the lake and that's always a lot of fun third might be a bit of a hot take but i have christmas uh i really like christmas obviously um sometimes though my family would combine my birthday which is november 30th with christmas and that always really frustrated me because then i'd get my gifts in christmas time not in my birthday time they just like wait to give them to me if they just like didn't have time to get the gift together and then just like at least in my family we like woke up we had breakfast we opened gifts if if, if church was on a sunday um if christmas fell on a sunday then we'd go to church and then there just like wasn't like a whole lot to do like you play with your games the rest of the day you'd play your, with your games that you got the toys that you got for the rest of the week but there's just like there was a very very large and noticeable lull right afterwards whereas with thanksgiving like it's action-packed like you start cooking in the morning if you if you're a turkey trot family you start in the morning with that you have the parade stuff you end up you know doing the the meal you have the football games and they go until late into the evening whereas christmas it's a little bit slower and but the thing that kind of keeps it from from falling even further down my list is the NBA games on Christmas are always so much fun. Fourth went Labor Day. Very similar reasons to 4th of July. I think it's just a lot of fun to have one last hurrah at the end of the summer. And at least for me, I always do a really fun trip over Labor Day weekend. Like this past weekend, I went to New Orleans. A lot of fun seeing my buddy Scott. Lastly, Easter. I think Easter gets snubbed a lot. I love just the general treats that are around Easter. Um, the Cadbury eggs were always a big favorite in my family. My mom would always get a huge bag of those. Um, we'd also have like very interesting meals that we wouldn't have the rest of the year. A lot of cabbage, a lot of roast beef. And uh, I always really enjoyed Easter Sunday at church as well. I, I, I feel like there's a lot of stories of the Bible that are a little bit overrated, but like I feel like the Easter story is at least entertaining and there's always a big to do with it so I, I i was able to slip in easter on my list at number five bit of a hot take not to have halloween but uh 
Halloween just feels like a bit of a letdown a lot of times. So I went with Easter in that five slot. The, uh, the Easter Reese's eggs are top notch because it like triples the amount of peanut butter in them. Yeah. So huge fan of that candy. I think to your point on Christmas, so my dad's birthday is December 18th. So you can imagine the amount of Christmas slash birthday presents he got versus like your point, having a birthday and then Christmas. Yeah. Um, you know, good, good take on Thanksgiving or solid. Um, you know, just, I, am not a huge black Friday person, but you know, where, where I'm from, there's a, a lot of, uh, we'll say unsavory folks. Every now and again, we'd go people watch at the Walmart at midnight and just see how crazy people got for just shit they didn't need. And it was always a good time. Um, but I think the big thing, or at least one point I wanted to bring up was I saw a thread the other day that was like a person was just like, I, I hate Thanksgiving. Like the food's terrible. I don't know why people like it. And then there was like 5,000 people just ragging them ragging him. Just like, dude, your mom just sucks at cooking. Like you have no idea. And it was like, just hilarious seeing like the entirety of the internet band together to be like, nah, dude, like your family just doesn't know how to cook. Exactly. And like there's only one food in the world that is good enough to have six or seven consecutive days afterwards of leftovers. And that's Thanksgiving and the variations that you're able to make off of those. You're, you can make sandwiches, you can make soups, you can make salads, like is the most versatile meal of the entire, uh, entire year. There's definitely some like things about Thanksgiving that aren't perfect. Like who the fuck likes cranberry sauce? That shit sucks. I, I love cranberry sauce, dude. Oh, damn. Oh, do you like peeps too on Easter? I'm not a huge peep fan. Okay, thank my, God. My brother likes them, uh, I think, a little bit, but I'm I'm, I'm a chocolate guy, so anything chocolate covered, I'll, I'll eat that whole rabbit in one go. Um, yeah, Cadbury eggs, I'm not a huge fan of. I, I don't hate them, but like I'll, I'd rather eat the Reese's cups. They like, got like that sugary outside. You could kind of like suck on them for a while, and then you got the chocolate. Mm, I like that stuff. And then nah. the only thing that almost pushed Halloween into my top five was corn candy i freaking love corn I candy. Love, love candy corn man it's yeah. good stuff it is so I like the, they make the uh the popcorn balls that have like candy corn and caramel incorporated into it like like basically a dentist's best friend because like i'm about to have so many customers yeah literally it's like willy walker's factory i love the pumpkins that were the corn candy too did you ever have those yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's this the same like corn syrup based like kind of chew it, but it's not a real flavor, and it just kind of melts into sugar in your mouth. Yeah, it's just like a massive ball of sugar, and it's just like it's instead of having to get a whole handful of corn candy and shoving it in your mouth, you just get a handful of those pump. It's it's fantastic. It's very quickly plus. we could we because we could do you know Spooktober's coming up or, or like the Halloween itself. We're already in Spooktober. We could do like a uh, a candy list of you know top five least you know least favorite, but. What was the uh, candy that you'd get in your bag and just be like, no, I'm never going back to that house again? Oh, uh, Whoppers. 100%. If you gave me really? Whoppers, I like Whoppers. spit them out right in front of your porch. I don't even care. It's that oh, multi flavor that I can't get over. How about you? Dude, Mike Ikes. They just stick to your teeth and they're like just way worse versions of Starburst. We should make like a candy tier list or something. I, I may have already I, done I think, that for I one think of we'll, I think we'll have to. Yeah. I think I already did that for one of my other Instagram accounts that I run, but we'll we'll revive it for the candy season. Alrighty. This is crazy, dude. We're up to twenty-three episodes already. Like we've been just yeah. like making these. Seems easy. It's fun. I, I hope everyone at home is enjoying them. So it seems like it just based off our audience size. So we love the engagement. We love the people uh engaging with us on social media and listening. So thank you all at home for listening and enjoying the pod. Yeah. Uh you said it you said it fantastically i hope everyone has a great week see you